All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am excited to chat about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Indiana Pacers final score 117-109. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you're popping in here, I uh, would greatly appreciate that, especially a like and a subscribe on the YouTube video. That would be tremendous. I uh, hope everybody is having a great day. Uh, a little bit delayed, obviously, on the recording, but having a grand old time regardless, and am excited to chat about today's festivities. A little bit late on the draw. Uh, Swipa is ill, and he was not able to make it today, but am still appreciative of everybody that's hopping in and enjoying the vibes. Thank you so much for hanging out today. Um, what's up, uh, Purity? I, I'm not even sure if I can say that. Uh, Dr. Van Nostrand, what is, what is up? Uh, really appreciate you guys hopping in the chat. Um, a fun game, a fun win for the Nuggets as they take care of the Pacers. Sands, Tyrese Halliburton, obviously, so that kind of changes how everything should be viewed, but still was nice, still was a good job by Denver to take care of business and get it done and do everything that they had to do. Uh-huh. Dr. Van Ostrand says, Swipe got the Serbian flu like Embiid. Absolutely. That man was, uh, he was so excited to not podcast today. No, I'm just kidding. He, uh, he and I talked, he's doing all right. He will join for a midweek episode of the show, or maybe we'll do some midweek recordings and, and just YouTube videos on the side. Uh, and then Weekends with Swipa will be back to its scheduled programming for the upcoming weeks. Should have no problems there. Uh, but yeah, give Swipa all the crap that you can. That's uh, that is he he loves to give me crap. Give him all the crap that you can. That that makes uh makes it a lot better for me. Uh, again, I'm your host, Ryan Blackbird. Thanks for tuning into the show. Let's chat about the Nuggets. Let's chat about this awesome win that Denver just had. Uh, here's the thing. Indiana may have been without Tyrese Halliburton, but they were still nine of their last 10. Nine wins, one loss in their last 10 games. And they were playing a very impressive brand of basketball and a very well-rounded brand of basketball where even without Halliburton, you didn't really know who was going to step up to the table. You didn't know who was going to be the best player on the floor. And so a lot of Denver's normal cues, like who do you have KCP guard? Who do you have Peyton Watson guard off the bench? What's it going to look like if uh, Nikola Jokic gets into foul trouble like he did tonight? A uh, little bit weird. And I know that there was a lot of things that Denver kind of had to go through in order to prepare for this one. And obviously you have the Bruce Brown ring ceremony at the beginning of that. And you know, let's let's talk about that up front. Really fun to see Bruce Brown. Really cool to see him. He is uh he's going to be a Nuggets legend forever. And there's no doubt like that's never going to change based off of what the reception was that he got and just how everybody's sort of handling things and how this looks. Uh he was great. He was he was a lot of fun and he was having a ball and Nuggets Nation was having a ball. Uh, just rooting for him and, and celebrating in his success and celebrating his ring ceremony. That was a cool thing. It was a cool moment. I posted some stuff on my Twitter. If you're interested in checking that out, as well as the post-game article that came out, I posted some stuff there. 
Uh, but yeah, just a lot of good vibes from this game and really up through opening tip. Like it, it felt very good to be in the building, despite the fact that it was like zero degrees for the most of it. But it was nice to see Bruce and he played great at 18 points, 10 rebounds, including five offensive, six assists, three steals. Bruce was great doing a great Bruce Brown impression. I'll say that. Uh, so I know the Nuggets would have loved to have him back if they could get him. So it was interesting to hear Michael Malone talk about him pregame. He didn't want to say like toughness or anything like that, but he definitely said that they missed his versatility, that they missed his defense. And I totally agree. It, so basically the way that Denver has kind of approached this year with Reggie Jackson and Peyton Watson and Christian Brown is they've tried to divvy up Bruce's responsibilities among three separate bench players. And it's taken three separate guys in order to recreate it. But what Bruce did with having his skills and all three, like those important skills that he had, he's able to fill in a bunch of different gaps on Denver's roster last year. Stuff that you're kind of seeing come to the forefront now and throughout the year. And just having one guy be able to be the person that you go to, that you trust in those situations, it really does help. So Denver's going to miss Bruce. And I think that's very, very clear based off of the reaction that he got from the fan base as well. Uh, but either way, good feelings throughout, good vibes throughout. Denver played a pretty good game in this one, and they were probably going to win this going away if not for some weird fouls, if not for some weird calls. Uh, Evan Scott, one of the younger officials on the scene over the course of these last couple of years, he had himself a night. Michael Malone nearly tore him a new one in this one. DeAndre Jordan was ejected for arguing some calls for him. Uh, there were some calls made by Rodney Mott and and some other uh, pretty awful calls that sort of went against Denver that Michael Malone had to use both challenges uh, that he had. And like, he won the first one and then he used it again and won the second one. So very rare that you see Michael Malone challenge something twice, uh, but he ultimately did. And it was interesting to see what happened. But uh, yeah, no, it was this was a this was a game that was. A fun, good vibes, positive game, kind of marred by some of the the weird foul calls and, and some turnovers for Denver. But for the vast majority of it, the Nuggets played great. Just absolutely great. Uh, you can definitely say, um, actually, yeah, that is an, that is an interesting line that, uh, that somebody put into the chat here. Uh, yeah, Dr. Van Nostrand is at it again. Uh, definitely bet rate, uh, Pacers plus 10.5 and the Pacers only lost by eight. So, you know, that they, uh, know that there's something there, but, uh, I don't know if you, if you question the, uh, if you question the integrity of the officials, then you're, you're, you're an op apparently. So interesting to, to see that, or at least Scott Foster would eject you for doing so. If you're, if you know, you know, um, but yeah, really, really impressive performance by the Nuggets all the way around, despite the fact that there were some. Uh, odd calls and fouls and some bad decisions and things like that. Denver had 22 turnovers as a team for 20 Pacers points. Mike Malone was not happy about that. But, I mean, like Jokic had seven turnovers. He was kind of throwing the ball over the place. Murray was throwing the ball over the place too. If those two just cut down on their turnovers, then it's a little bit different. But Reggie Jackson having three turnovers is pretty abnormal, so I'm not really going to question that that much. And then DeAndre Jordan in seven minutes just can't have four fouls and two turnovers. That's it's not good enough. And I know that he was upset about the calls and maybe there were 50-50 calls that just went against him both times. But he's still got to be better, just plain and simple. So 
Uh, but either way, the starters were great. The starters were great in this one outside of the turnovers. Even on the defensive end, I thought that they were pretty good. Uh, Michael Porter, one steal and two blocks. He had 25 points on the night. We'll get to him more extensively in the second segment. Uh, but Jokic, 12 of 13, <laughs> 25 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. That is a Sombor double for the big fella, missing just one shot. He also missed a free throw. Uh, but just a really, really impressive performance there. And then Jamal Murray staggering with the second unit. Plus minus doesn't really reflect it, but I thought that he had a pretty good game. And there were a couple of moments here or there that he kind of let up off the gas a little bit for the vast, the vast majority of the process that he had and the decisions that he made. Very good. Very, very good stuff. And it's very clear that Denver starters in this one were just rock solid, clearly doing uh, pretty well throughout this one and knowing exactly how they had to approach the Pacers game. Uh, Michael Malone, before the game even started, I asked him what scares him, not not really what scares him most, but like how he would approach guarding this defense. And he basically said that he told the team that they're first in field goal percentage, uh, free throw, not free throw percentage, fast break points, assists per game, points per game, fast break points per game, uh, points off turnovers, points of the paint. He says they're first in every single category imaginable, basically. And Denver, I thought their defense handled that pretty well. Uh, just looking at the percentages here, Indiana shot 46-27-68, and they committed 13 turnovers. The only thing that really kind of kept them in the game in this one was their offensive rebounding, Denver's defensive rebounding. And yet, I'm not super concerned about that because Denver grabbed 36 defensive rebounds and the Pacers had 14 offensive rebounds, so that's not that crazy of a disparity, in my opinion. It was worse in the first half, and then Denver cleaned it up a little bit in the second half. I think there were 10 offensive rebounds in the first half and four in the second. So they worked on it. They cleaned it up. They did what they had to do. And when you're at the tail end of a of a homestand or right before a road trip, sometimes those can really mess with guys or not mess with them, but like they're thinking ahead to some of these other situations that they've got coming up. So wouldn't it have surprised me in the slightest if they had overlooked Indiana. So the fact that they got this done, and they did it relatively calmly. This wasn't a, a crazy win. This wasn't a... But this game was never really in doubt either. Like, I felt very like good about Denver's chances in this one because of the way that the starters were playing, because of the efficiency that they played with. And it was just very clear that Denver was the better team. Uh, Rob says it best, I think. Uh, the turnovers and offensive glass kept us from being a 30-point blowout. Which, yeah, that is a that's a thing. But it's also like Indiana does a good job of turning teams over. They're, they play the passing lanes pretty well. Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, they are good shot blocking kind of bigs that are going to get guys to uh, sort of question whether they want to go up with certain shots and whether they want to make certain passes or not. And then TJ McConnell's just a pest and they've got a lot of guys like that. So like, look, Indiana's a good team. And the fact that Denver handled them the way that they did Pretty, pretty impressive. So that's really the gist of it, and that's all that really should be taken. Uh, when we come back, I'll have a couple other words on the bench, as well as just thoughts on Michael Porter's accomplishment and what Nikola Jokic's shooting streak looks like right now. It has been a pretty, pretty impressive streak. But first, everybody in this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports, who have a direct line to Las Vegas for the sports gambling name. 
and now you can use their promo code mile high you can score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus win or lose superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code mile high download the superbook sports app enter that promo code mile high and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of superbook sports visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER we'll be right back on pickaxe and roll for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're back. Pickaxe and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show down below. That would help us out tremendously, of course. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at some of the comments here. People talk about the the Clippers T Wolves game. I'm talking about the man, Kings and Bucks. Looks like it's going to overtime. Man, some interesting, interesting results finishing up right now. So uh, everybody's you, your job is in the comments is to keep me appraised of the situation if anything changes. Uh, okay, no, it looks like T Wolves just won that game and they went final. So Clippers are dropping to twenty five and fourteen. That gets Denver a little bit of distance between them. And honestly, that's not the worst thing in the world. I think Nuggets fans should be okay if the T Wolves win if they have the first seed in the West. I don't think they're going to, but the best time for Denver to try to catch them if they want to is in their head-to-head matchups. So if Denver saves up for those, waits for those, then that'll be just fine. They'll be okay. Um, Paul George goes 5 of 19 in that game. Anthony Edwards, 33 points. Lots of good stuff from, from the T-Wolves. They're a good team. They, they really are. Both of those teams, I think, are pretty impressive. Um, Okay. Let's chat about the bench really quickly before I get to MPJ and Joker. DJ got ejected. That's that is what it is. I still think that Denver could use another big. Like they just can. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that like if Denver had a more athletic version of what DJ gives them, then their bench unit would be better. Uh whether that was a a Nick Richards or Dayron Sharp or whoever, yada yada yada. I've I've gone over the names before. Uh, but those names would be helpful. They would be good. They would be pretty positive for a group like Denver's. And uh, Zeke is not getting off the bench right now. DJ got ejected and only played seven minutes. Uh, the only reason that Jokic didn't play like 40 minutes tonight was because he got into foul trouble himself. So Aaron Gordon had to go to be the second unit center or the the replacement center in some of those lineups. And it's going to be fascinating to see how often Denver goes to that. But Gordon, when he really turns it up, is really, really good at that center spot. So I just think that Denver could benefit from having another option. And because I I just don't think that they are really going to end up trusting DJ or Zeke. Like that's just, it seems, it would be shocking to me. Christian Brown, 
continues to struggle a little bit. Uh, not his best performance. Um, let me just go back to the box where I decided, you know, let's let's click on this game and try to find it. Um, okay. Christian Brown, one of five from the field, two points, a uh, couple rebounds, nothing else really in the box score. He kind of floated. He missed a couple free throws, um, missed a missed a three-point that he kicked out at the end of the quarter. Actually, no, he drove that ball. Like, here's the thing with Christian. Like, he's been throwing a lot of grenades to teams lately, or to teammates lately. And it's something that I don't fully notice until you start to see the patterns of the season. And now we're at game 41 of the season, and I'm starting to see this pattern. Too often when Christian tries to explore his game a little bit, he gets caught in the middle of the lane or just outside of it, gets bottled up off of the dribble, pivots, pivots, doesn't really find anything, and then throws the ball out to the perimeter or to the nearest teammate that's open. And it's fine if that happens with 12 seconds left on the shot clock. But if it happens with four seconds left on the shot clock and then he pitches the ball out to Jamal Murray at 35 feet away from the basket and says, hey, here, Jamal, create something. That's just not good enough. Like, Christian's just got to go up and shoot the ball. He cannot be afraid to take a 10-footer or to take a a contested six-foot shot or something like that. He has to be willing to take those as a 6'6", 6'7", guard who is more often than not, taller than the guy that he's going up against, especially when they put their, let's say, uh, let's say it's in a lineup where they decide to put their best player on Jamal Murray, for example, their best defensive player. Usually that player is going to be bigger. Christian Brown's going to benefit from a different matchup. If he's got this matchup and he's got a guy across from him that's like 6'4", there's no reason why he should be passing out a ball when he gets into the lane. Like, he's got to be able to take and make those shots. That's just part of the game. It's part of developing and being the best version of himself that he can. And I am just, I'm trying to figure out whether this is something that I should be worried about or if this is something that, like, he's just not going to have to worry about it in the playoffs because that's just never going to happen. That's never going to be his role. It would just be nice. He he has to stop hesitating. He's got to be more definitive because it actually like it's killing other guys' field goal percentage when he kicks it out to them with four seconds left when he turns what was a kind of a mediocre shot into a poor possession. So he's got to be willing to take those and create them more effectively anyway. And then Peyton Watson didn't really have a guy that he could guard tonight. I thought he did a nice job on TJ McConnell. Uh, McConnell went two of nine. And I don't. I think one of those was against Piwat, uh, one of those shots that were made. But it was a pretty impressive shot, so not really going to question it. And then he forced like they forced a couple turnovers and were very physical against McConnell and did a really good job against him, in my opinion. But TJ was still plus eight in this game. He led all Pacers in plus minus, probably because he shared the floor with Obi Toppin, and Obi Toppin had like he went three of three from three. So sometimes it just happens like that. Um, but yeah, like that's just a, it's just those guys in particular. Now we got to go back to Michael Porter. Michael Malone was very complimentary of Michael Porter in this game. And to be clear, it was a great game for Michael Porter. 25 points in 37 minutes, 9 of 15 from the field, 7-11 from three. Didn't have any free throws, but that was okay. 
eight rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks, filled up the box score and did everything that he could, plus 13 from the field, and wasn't leading the team in plus minus. That was actually Aaron Gordon. Uh, But Porter was great. Like he was a, this was a really, really good game for him. And a lot of guys looked for him. Jamal Murray found him. Uh, Nikola Jokic found him. KCP found him on the uh, swing, swing passes. There was just a lot of opportunities for Porter to get up shots, and he did not hesitate. 7 of 11 from 3 is a ton of threes to get up, and he had the rhythm tonight for sure. And there was one that he missed where it was clearly because, like, the reason why he missed the shot was because he was being bothered by physically, and then they just didn't call a a landing space foul where the guy was clearly underneath him when he was shooting. So, like, honestly, like... I'm giving him 28 points. I think that he should have uh, he should have definitely had three free throws. Or actually, no, it would have been 27 because he's not the not the perfect free throw shooter. But still, a great performance from Porter. And more than anything, like the thing that I continue to respect about him the most is that he's just out there. And Malone made mention of this today, and I'm not sure if it was just because hey, it's game 41 of the season. You're starting to see like hey, this is where you kind of assess yourself at the midseason. Porter is the only guy on the team, I believe, that has not missed a has not missed a game. He's the only guy. Uh, that is, oh no, Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown have also played every game. So credit to those guys too. Like just being available is very very important. Uh, but with Porter, it's more surprising. With Porter, the the role that he plays, he's a thirty minute per game kind of guy. Uh, He averages, on the season, he's averaged 31 minutes per game, but tonight he played 37. So he's just in those clear starter minutes, playing every single night. He's second on the Nuggets in minutes behind only Jokic, and just continues to be a steady presence. He's not going to be an all-star, I don't think. Like, clearly not this year, but I I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star. I don't know if he's ever going to be that kind of guy, but... He said something fascinating today that the thing he's most proud of is just being out there. It's like good games happen, bad games happen. He's less concerned about those things and just playing games. Like he's just happy being out there and playing the game that he loves. And that is like romantic in a lot of ways. Uh, and Mike to me seems like a guy who would be romantic about basketball. Uh, but he is clearly valuing that and valuing the experience that he's having right now. And that's just so awesome because this was a guy that had basketball ripped away from him for multiple stretches for a long time. And for him to be able to kind of get back out there and be the player the Nuggets need him to be night in and night out is really, really impressive. I mean, how many guys, like, I I remember this actually with Sean Livingston back in the day when he was playing for the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if it was during like the 2015 run or 2016 run or whatever, but I remember a year where Livingston was the only guy who played the entire season for Golden State, which was crazy given that Livingston, like one of the most famous, the things he's most famous for is the gruesome knee injury that he sustained that kind of just tore everything in his leg. And he worked his way back for the Warriors at that time. And became an icon in in the Bay Area. So for Mike, it's kind of in the same light where three back surgeries, Michael Malone credited him like 
over and over again for like having this back brace that he has to deal with every single time and just trying to be out there all the time, trying to make it consistent. And he just continues to do it every, every single time. So he may not be like the talent, like not like he does have the talent, but he may not have the impact that a Jokic does or even a Murray does, but he is still just a clear part of this Nuggets culture and a part of this Nuggets makeup and somebody that the team can be really proud of for the way that he has embraced his role, embraced being good and being steady. And he's been one of the steadiest players the Nuggets have had. It's been really cool. Finally, uh, I need to go find this tweet that Bronco Squatch had or somebody had. I don't remember. Uh, Gosh, it was a... Oh, Shane Young had it. Uh, If you're not following Shane Young at Young NBA, uh, you should definitely follow them. Um, He says, Nikola Jokic is 85 of 105 from the field in his last nine games. It is the first time in NBA history that a player has shot 80% or better in a nine-game span with at least 100 attempts. Um, Pretty good. Now, somebody in the comments said that Will Chamberlain did this. Uh, we'll see. Like, I, I'm not sure whether, uh, whether he actually did. I have to go check that, but still pretty crazy. Still a, a pretty crazy stat. Nobody else is doing this way Jokic has done. 12 of 13 tonight. And he hit some floaters. He hit some jump shots. He hit some bank shots. Uh, hit some uh, off-legged stuff. Some interesting layups. And, like, he's just never dunking. Actually, well, you know, he he did dunk at least once, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but if I go to the shot chart for Nikola Jokic... He does make it easier on himself by just taking shots from inside the paint. But this was one where he did not feel the need to take really any jumpers. The only shot that he missed was the shot outside the paint, a Sambor double or Sambor shuffle uh, late in the shot clock. So credit to him. Like he just continues to put some distance between himself and that weird stretch that he didn't really make anything. And now he is up to over 65% true shooting on the year, which is higher than Joel Embiid, higher than a guy like Chris Dapps Porzingis, higher than a lot of guys. And it just feels like he is hitting his stride once again. So playing his best basketball and doing it at the right time. Uh, Denver needs him on this trip. They need him to be the best version of himself. So we'll see if he can. All right, let's go to a commercial. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, mid-season stock watch for the team as well as the upcoming road trip should be fun. But first, this message from Scott DeHuff. Pickaxe and Roll, thank you so much for tuning in. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're new. Uh, really appreciate it, obviously. All right, midseason stock watch for the team. What's going on? Where's the team at? How are we? Uh, how are you really getting through this? Uh, as I mentioned, Jokic is, is shooting efficiency is back up to where it's supposed to be uh, for for 
the kind of player that he is, the kind of player that he has proved himself to be over and over. So credit to him for being able to do that. Um, but yeah, Jokic at 65% true shooting. KCP's at 60. Michael Porter's at 60. Jamal Murray's at 58.7. Aaron Gordon's at 59.8. So Denver's entire starting lineup is above uh, efficiency true shooting wise. They are, it's one of the reasons why the starters are so good. It almost feels like Murray should be even higher. Almost feels like Aaron Gordon should be even higher. Part of that is free throw related for for AG specifically, but uh, Porter's efficiency has been great. KCP's efficiency has been really good. And Denver just continues to roll on the offensive end of the floor. There's nothing that's really going to, like some of their stuff, if I go to the summary for cleaning, cleaning the glass, and I do this for the alley-oop, by the way. So if you're interested, go check out the alley-oop where I do a lot of these check-ins with all these other teams so you get to see what's going on around the league. Uh, but Denver, 6th in point differential, 7th in offense, 10th in defense. They are one of, it looks like, uh, one, two, three, four, five teams that are in the top 10 in each category. Minnesota is actually not in the top 10. Their offense still leaves a little bit to be desired, though their defense is far and away the best defense in the league. Minnesota's 108.7 defensive rating. Philly is actually second at 112. So interesting that offense is just running rampant through the league right now, and it's just very hard to stop it. Uh, But Denver has been very, very good. They aren't perfect, and they never will be. Uh, the bench continues to be something that I monitor that I'm going to try to figure out. I've talked about the the uh, big man spots. I think that there's some developing that Christian Brown and Peyton Watson still have to do. I wonder when Julian Strother gets back because if he gets back a little bit sooner, then that would be it would give Denver some options on this road trip at least. Though I'm not necessarily sure that you want to throw him into the deep end there. Wouldn't surprise me if they go with Justin Holiday and be like, hey, we need somebody who's a more veteran option uh, because there are going to be times where Peyton Watson kind of struggles, times where Christian Brown kind of struggles. And rather than go to Julian Strother if he gets healthy, wouldn't surprise me if Justin Holiday gets some run. So look out for that on this road trip. But if I'm kind of giving like the, the midseason, I, I called it a census at the – uh, at, at Ball Arena today. It's not really a census. What it is, is it's just a check-in. Like, how is Denver doing? I think they're pretty good. Jamal Murray said he thinks that they're doing pretty well. Michael Porter said he thinks that they're doing pretty well. And I think that if you talk to Michael Malone, he'd say that they're doing pretty well too. Uh, there are fireworks fireworks outside my window, so sorry if you're hearing that on the on the mic. It's extremely annoying. I hope they're fireworks for being honest. Um, But yeah, I think Denver's in a pretty good spot. The shooting efficiency for the starters is good. They seem to be locked in about as locked in as they've ever been. And that's not going to really change. I don't think like there's no reason for them to really kind of shift anything up like that. So I'm curious, is their lineup, if I go to totals, is there any lineup that is more positive than Denver's? Okay, well, I'm on Denver's lineup right now, so let's uh, let's try to open that up a little bit. Um, that is okay. 
This is uh, it's definitely ruining. Okay, so Denver has the lineup that has the highest plus minus in the league so far. Now, Philly has a great lineup themselves, and that they probably have the best lineup in the game right now from a, a efficiency standpoint. And Maxi, Melton, Batum, Harrison, and Bede, that's a great group themselves. But I, I like Denver's group. Denver's group's had to go through tougher matchups. They haven't been able to bone up on. Now they have faced teams like Charlotte and Washington. They haven't faced Washington, but they faced Detroit. Faced a lot of these teams that aren't great, uh, but still is impressive the way that they've been going. Uh, we've been going hard. Um, <laughs> they've been doing. They've been going pretty well, and they've been carrying a pretty heavy burden. So good on them for doing so. I still think that Denver needs. They don't need it, but it would be nice if they could get something a little bit extra just to kind of get them through either the rest of the regular season with their bench or for them to have another option that they can go to in the front court in the playoffs. I think they're good in the back court. They'll be just fine there. But in the in the front court, like it's really just Jokic, Porter, Gordon, and Peyton Watson that I trust right now. And that's not enough. In my opinion, I think they need somebody else that they can go to. Um, all right, final thing here. The upcoming road trip. Denver plays five very important road games here. These are some pretty uh, narrative-defining games, I would say. At Philly on Tuesday. At Boston on Friday. I believe they play at Washington on Sunday. Then they play at Indiana and at New York next week. Uh, those are going to be some pretty big ones. The Washington one is a nice reprieve, but I believe that Denver's going to the White House on that Saturday. I'll have to check in with somebody there, but I think that that's what's on the schedule. They're, they'll go to the White House and they'll go talk to the president of the nation and the the. I guess I don't know if they've gotten an invite, and like I'll just have to check in on that, obviously, but. That'll be, if that's the downtime that Denver's having and they have to play Philly, Boston, Indiana, and New York, like that's a pretty tough stretch. Uh, just looking at the standings here, let me just hit the refresh button. Boston is first, Philly's third, Indiana's down to sixth, they're, they're tied for fifth, and New York is tied for fifth as well. So it is, like it's a tough stretch. They're playing all playoff teams except for Washington. And that is the only reprieve that they have. It's going to be a tough one. I don't know what Denver's going to do. I don't know how they're going to play. I think three and two would be a nice road trip. Two and three, it's subpar, but it's not like out of the ordin out of like question that they go negative on this road trip. But I think if they went three and two, you get the Washington game, you get one of the Philly or Boston games, and then you get one of Indiana or New York, that'd be great. Now, if they go 0-2 in Philly and in Boston, it puts a lot of pressure on them in order for making the rest of the road trip poss possible. Uh, we will see just how it happens. Dame hit a game winner, Dr. Van Nostrand says. Bucks have a 15-game winning streak against Sacramento. Dame hit a three at the buzzer to win it. Darn. Sacramento's, uh, they have not had a kind outcome for them. It's been uh, been pretty tough to be Sacramento lately. It feels like they, they've had a lot of things go against them. Uh, but interesting to see, uh, <laughs> yeah, just a, a pretty frustrating one if you're 
if you are Sacramento. But Milwaukee continues to roll. They continue to be under the radar in terms of how good they are. Uh, and Dame kind of gives them a late game option that they can trust, obviously. Um, but yeah, five game road trip for Denver is going to be fascinating. I'm curious to see how they handle it, whether they see Joel Embiid on Tuesday, whether they get the best version of Boston on Friday. That could be a finals preview for sure. Uh, and, and what happens for the rest of that road trip will be very interesting. I think it'll be pretty dependent on what happens in the first two games. Like if Denver goes 2-0, and then they have the license to lose the next three games and be fine. <laughs> They'll be okay. Now, losing to Washington would be bad, so maybe you could still try to go 3-2 and two there. But like, look, it's hard to beat Indiana for a second time in a row when you just played them about a week ago, basically. And then they're playing New York, who's... Like, Denver hasn't had a good time against New York uh, with Jalen Brunson there. So that could be a tough matchup for sure. But if I'm Denver, I'm trying to go three and two or better on this road trip because that would really, really it would define some good things for sure. Uh, Dr. Van Ostrand asks, we thinking Embiid is playing or no? I don't know. Like, he is questionable against the Houston Rockets tomorrow. I doubt that he plays on the second night of a back-to-back, even though it is both at home. So I'm curious. I'm just as curious as everybody else is. That back-to-back, by the way, Houston-Philly is going to be at 1 p.m. or 3 p.m. local time, I think. So he'd have more than 24 hours in order to recover, in order to get ready for that. But I don't think he's going to do it anyway. I think he'll probably play against Houston and then sit against Denver. That would be my guess. So. We'll see. We'll see how he plays. We'll see how he fares and, and what it looks like. But if uh, if we get Jokic versus Embiid, y'all better bring your war paint because that is going to be a crazy one. That's going to be a fun one. And I'm looking forward to it for sure. I know the Philly fans will be going to war too. They'll be a right here, right here. Got to tie it, tie it up in the back and uh, and really go to war. It's uh, That's going to be a fun one. So we'll see what happens. But I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I'll be back. uh, No podcast tomorrow night. I will probably podcast immediately after after the Philly game, uh, because why wouldn't I? Especially if it's a big game. We'll see what happens there, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And then Swipe and I will do a midweek podcast as well. So you'll have no shortage of content for me. Thanks, Dr. Van Ostrand, for hanging out. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the show. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.